back to the Undecided Podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, David and Jonathan. Today is March 21st, 2021. Today we will be talking about the monkey and the monster. David and Jonathan, how was your weeks? It was a really good week. Got done with finals week. Finals, it went okay. Not the best, not the worst, but it's over. And now I'm on spring break, so I'm a happy camper for the time being. Do you have any plans for spring break? Actually going on a trip with uh, some friends later this week to Colorado. Oh, shoot. What are you going to do in Colorado? Probably uh, ski, snowboard, stuff like that. For sure. You have a vaccine, David? Uh, I'm not qualified yet. (laughs) Be careful, man. There's uh, news reports in Florida. No one gives a crap in Florida, apparently. There's letting loose. Actually, kind of crazy to see lobs of people within one feet of each other. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll be careful. Yeah. I actually got vaccinated this week. Nice. First one? Yeah, it was my first uh, vaccine. So I got the Moderna one. It was a really, really quick process. And like the people working there, like they managed traffic really well. Facility was really clean. It was really open. There was a lot of people getting their vaccines, but the the flow was pretty pretty fast, pretty straightforward. So shout out to the vaccination site at the Anaheim Convention Center. They're doing their, their stuff right. But how about you, Jonathan? Did you do anything interesting this week? Uh, nothing really. I was just kind of... School was just really busy. You know, it's kind of interesting because all my friends are enjoying their last semester senior year. You remember our senior year, right? We just kind of messed around all day. Yeah, they don't really care about their classes anymore. And I'm over here having to try really hard in my classes, and it's a little weird. What's the What's the reason why you need to try really hard in your classes compared to your friends? Oh, because I'm doing my master's here, right? Oh, so I you're taking master's classes already? Uh, no, I still need a good GPA. So it's like school's not done yet. For sure. Okay. Now, who knows what my direction will be after master's as well. So if I decide to go to a PhD program, they'll need good grades, you know. Mm-hmm. For them, they already know that they want to go work in industry. But there's no point in them trying so hard anymore. What it is. Is it just like uh, classes that are stressful right now or like outside yeah, of classes too? I think I've said that my credits, the credits I'm taking are very little. I think 13 credits, but it's the most the heaviest 13 credits I've ever taken, I'll tell you that. It's okay. I, I feel like whenever I, you guys ask me this question, this podcast, I always say, like, yeah, I'm busy. I just complain how busy I am. I'm going to try to keep that to a minimum. So sorry to the folks back home who have to listening to my bitch. And- hey, when you're, um, when you're, like, swamped with work, though, do you think you've faced the problem of procrastination by any chance? Dude, all the time. David, do you want to talk about it? Dude, that's pretty funny. That's crazy, actually, because today's topic is about procrastination. <laughs> oh, shit. What up? <laughs> All right. So um, so today's title is The Monkey and the Monster, and it has to do with procrastination. So today's podcast is based off of a TED Talk by a speaker named Tim Urban, and the TED Talk is titled Inside the Mind of a Procrastinator. So to summarize it all, the key points were in the mind of a non-procrastinator, there is a rational decision maker who's at the wheel and they make the decisions. 
But in the case of a procrastinator, there is this other entity called the, the instant gratification monkey who's right next to the rational decision maker at the wheel. So while the rational decision maker is making his good life decisions, there's this monkey who's known as the instant gratification monkey that comes in between the, the rational decision maker driving the wheel and the monkey actually takes the wheel from that person and makes decisions based off instant gratification. And that is what causes procrastination. So for example, let's say you're doing some work or you have a 10 page paper due in Friday. So the rational thing to do, okay, let's say today's Monday to get the timeline straight. Today's Monday, you have a 10 page paper due by Friday. So the rational decision is to split up the work 20% for the five days. So that's the rational decision. But this monkey, this instant gratification monkey, okay, let's say uh, a perfect example would be um, like your phone, like social media, Facebook, TikTok, um, any video game. It just, it's, if you play it, you're going to be instantly gratified. And that's what the monkey wants. And that's what it bases its decision on. So this will make you actually start your homework probably on Thursday, making you do 100% of the work in one night. And the rational decision maker is like, oh my God, why did I do this? But there's a third player in the wheel, in the brain. There's a thing that the monkey is scared of and it will cause the monkey to give the wheel back to the decision maker, the rational decision maker. And this is the panic monster. So what the panic monster does is it creates a sense of urgency to the monkey and it makes the monkey climb back to the tree and then the rational decision maker could come back and take the wheel. And so in, in real life, the panic monster is like usually deadlines. That's what gets people to like get back into reality. So yeah, so this is the, this is the whole TED talk. I just want to have this image out. And as procrastination is like a issue for everyone, I'm just wondering, has procrastination ever been beneficial to you? Yeah, man. I've been procrastinating like this, this the past three months. So my entire winter quarter, I've been, I have never struggled more with procrastination, like in my four years at school. Uh, I'm not sure what changed, but I have found myself having like lack of motivation to start things early. In the past, yeah, in the past, I've, I've been, I would start things early and I would like space it out really well. And like, people would be like, man, you're so, you're so dedicated, man. But this past week, I mean, this past quarter, it's definitely been, it's been difficult, you know, like I kind of wait till like, for an example, like I was a, like a TA for um, one of my bio classes, right? And I'm supposed to uh, make a worksheet every week covering like the, the three lectures covered. And I'm supposed to make like a two, three page worksheet, which means like I have to rewatch the lectures and then I have to come up with questions and then answers to those questions. So, you know, that could take, that's like a week's worth, but I would often find myself finishing it like two hours before the deadline. And, you know, procrastination, a lot of negative connotations towards it, but it's definitely like made me a lot more efficient, you know, like I, I got it. If I get it done, I get it done, you know? So the, the monkey is, uh, at least for me, like recently, the monkey has allowed me to work more efficiently if it means that like I'm working closer to the deadline. That's just my experience. I think Daniel's right. I mean, in some ways, procrastination can make more efficient use of your time. 
in that now that you play first and then just kind of grind out everything in one big session, you're super focused, right? In some ways, it is kind of like a efficiency boost. But in the most cases, like most cases, you and I know that that's not reality. And that the work that we do at the time is pretty half-assed, terrible quality. You know, it's kind of a tangent, but um, I was recently thinking about people who are in their like late 20s. Their parents are saying, yo, you go get married, right? Like, yeah, mom, I got it. Yeah, I know I should go. Dude, they're procrastinating their own marriage, you know? Right? Isn't that right? Because they know they have, they should, they think they should, they want, they have their parental expectations, but they don't really want to try. It's not worth the effort of going to kind of actively search for a girl and all that. And so, yeah, I thought that was funny that people yeah. are procrastinating marriage and that. But going off of that, then, like for the marriage, do you think if they keep procrastinating it, do you think at a certain point they're going to have to be like efficient about finding someone? <laughs> Yeah, either that or, you know, the TED Talk talked about a kind of procrastination that has no deadlines. And those are the ones that are the most regretful, hurtful, you know? And I think that's exactly one of those, that if you if you don't really have a deadline, you think in your 20s, you think you can go get married at any point in your life, and then you wake up one day and you're 40, you know? <laughs> It's exactly what happens. There's literally no due date for that. Like for those uh, procrastination without due dates, do you think there's like a efficient or like an optimal way to make a deadline? Like, you know how in this analogy of the monkey and the monster with the panic monster, is there like an artificial way we could create this monster, panic monster for things without deadlines? I, I have an idea. So going along the lines with the divorce thing, Maybe you can like, like uh, schedule an appointment for like vasectomy. That's a deadline, you know. Like you, you schedule that for like twenty twenty nine. So like when you're thirty, like that's a hard deadline. You you need <laughs> you need to find like a wife and have kids before that that deadline. But what do you get to that deadline and you don't want to get the vasectomy? <laughs> it's too late, man. You you scheduled it like. <laughs> I don't know. You can just like, you can just not do it, can't you? You're just like, bro, just give me one more year. I swear I'll go get a life. Yeah, but like, like for me, like, I've been uh, really uh, pushing this idea of following through with things that you schedule. You know, like if someone asks me to to hang out, and I don't feel like hanging out the day of, like the day comes around, I don't feel like hanging out. I still make the effort to hang out with that person because I I don't like flaking on deadlines or commitments you know so i'm gonna i, I could schedule a vasectomy in 2029 <laughs> and i would get it that's just me sorry that was that was really stupid that was just an idea yeah i mean um, while you're at that why don't you like if if you still don't get married by another 10 years after the vasectomy why don't you just hire a hitman yeah yeah that's a hire a hitman <laughs> do it because like yeah because like you're 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 creating a panic monster it's a it's a great idea you think it's a great idea <laughs> I, I yeah i mean in all seriousness though like i think 
I think that's the trouble, right? Um, how do you create a, I mean, maybe to Daniel, that's logical, but to me, that's not reasonable. Okay. <laughs> so I would hire a hitman. How do I set a logical or reasonable deadline for me to get married or at least get engaged? You know, mm-hmm. what would a reasonable deadline be? Because like the thing is, for schools, the panic monster is the deadline, and the reason why the deadline is so scary is is the punishment that comes with it, the bad grades, and with bad grades, there's a lot of things associated with it. Like maybe um, it's harder for it to get a job or but in the end like your gpa gets lowered and you get punished for it so maybe like for the real life deadline there has to be something equivalent like that something that like scares us kind of that pressures us but it's kind of hard to think about it in that sense because when it comes to marriage you don't want you don't want to have something like punishing you for like not getting married well the, the panic monster for that is is dying alone you know getting old and being all alone by yourself like with no family okay let's so. let's be careful because if i remember correctly the deadline is what wakes up the panic monster yes oh. right okay. it's not the panic monster itself let me let me explain why i kind of want to make this distinction i think i want to point out in that school deadline have a sudden jump in the pain or the feedback that we get what am i trying to say just as there's instant gratification, there's also instant we call retribution. Called retribution. Okay. When you procrastinate and you miss the deadline, right? Missing the deadline has immediate retribution. But for missing something, things like that don't have deadlines, but maybe the reason why it's so hard for us to get us to do things is because there are no immediate retributions. Instead of a sudden loud alarm that we wake up to, right? Like burr, 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 like alarm clock. We're gonna wake up immediately. But if the if the thing is like a low hum that slowly gets louder and louder and louder, you are not gonna wake up to that, you know? And that's why I kind of clarify that. Because these deadlines are what wake up the panic monster. And if it's something like marriage that doesn't have an immediate deadline, it's kind of like a loud hum in the background. That just gets louder and louder and louder until one day you wake up and you just cannot stand it. You wake up. You didn't notice it was there before until all of a sudden you hear the loud noise and it's just unbearable. What do you guys think of my analogy? I liked it. Um, I like the analogy, but I think we're still trying to figure out like how to come up with a like reasonable deadlines for things that don't have deadlines, right? So Wait, so with the home thing, it's once again back to the topic of instant gratification. So the monkey has a role in this again? Well, not really, right? It's, um, I kind of just use the word instant gratification to more clearly explain instant retribution. But I guess what it would be is more like, um, Actually, how about, how about you try to tie in the monkey to this? Because I didn't really see the monkey being a play into this. I just kind of thought about this as an interplay between the monster and the alarm clock that he wakes up to. Mm-hmm. But if you can figure out like a tie-in for the monkey, how instant retribution is related to instant gratification, go for it, man. Because what I was thinking was the instant gratification monkey is looking for things that please them right away. So then 
if there's something that scares them immediately too, then for the monkey to be pleased, they would have to try to get rid of that that thing that they're scared of instantly as well. So then that makes you act upon instant like needs kind of rather than like I guess what I'm trying to say with the alarm clock and the hum analogy is that there is no solution around to it. You need a loud alarm clock. Okay. That's why Daniel's unreasonably absurd suggestion of hiring a hitman makes sense. It's a loud alarm clock. You're not just going to suddenly ignore the fact that you're going to die in a couple of days if you don't get married, you know? It's a loud alarm clock. But if it's just a hum, you're not going to immediately wake up to that. So I guess the answer kind of bubbles down to is, are you able to come up with a reasonable, loud, reasonably loud alarm clock mm. that will wake up the panic monster? How about this? So... I think, at least for me, like when I have deadlines at school and I have like a stress to to finish it like in a couple hours or like within a couple days, I feel like the quality of my work is like significantly lower than if I had like adequate amount of time or if I didn't have that stressor, you know, like I would finish it faster, like I'd be more efficient finishing it, but the quality of my work is not not the best. So... But following like this marriage analogy, if you, if you set a deadline, it, it might not necessarily be a good thing. You know, you might get it done. You might marry someone, but you might, you know, you might marry someone that's like incompatible with you. You might just like get like a green card marriage or something or like, you know, like the people on like 90 Day Fiance, you know, that can end up as your life. So maybe instead of trying to fix the panic monster, maybe we should look at the the third person in the brain. Who was the other guy in the brain, David? The, the rational decision maker. The rational decision maker. I think I produce my best work like in school. I am like interested and my motivation for doing things comes from somewhere else other than fear of retribution. Oh, that's true. Okay. So maybe we should focus more on the rational decision maker rather than the monster. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, actually going off of that, um, there's actually been studies that procrastination is actually kind of like a threshold. So people who do their work, okay, so let's say there's a timeline again, and you get this assignment at this certain date, and you have a deadline like at this point. Um, if you do it too early, like you do get, you do get the work done, but then the most creative work is done with a certain amount of procrastination like in the kind of like the middle section. And then later, if they procrastinate too much, then it's just like, like I said, it's just like to get the work done, not the best work produced. So if we, if we find that like middle threshold for the rational decision maker, you can get the most like creative results. You guys know what the Yerkes thoughts in law is? If you psych anyone? No. A relationship between stress or pressure with one's performance. Basically, all it says is that there's too little stress, you're not going to be motivated to do something. You're overstressed, you're not going to be able to focus on doing a good job. And there's a nice little in between. What you kind of said kind of just remind me of that, right? There's this optimal area on the spectrum that allows us to do the best work while maintaining a good amount of pressure on yourself so that you do get the motivation to do that dan i really liked your answer because yeah you're right i was up until now i was just focusing on 
the alarm clock that would wake up the panic monster. But you just focus on the rational decision maker, right? Talk about the benefits of getting married, right? Not be scared that not being married, waking up and you're being single. Instead of being worried about that, you can think of the nicer stuff in marriage, you know? Have the rational decision maker be rational. Hey, I get married, I get a huge tax break. If I get married, <laughs> if I get married, I don't have to cook every single time by myself, you know? I have so, a friend to wake up to. Yeah. So you're, kinda, you're right. Yeah, it, um, kind of reminds me of like inside out you know uh in the movie the conclusion of the movie is basically like you know we need equal contribution from from the different people who like work in the brain so i think having a healthy balance of rational decision maker monkey and panic monster at the wheel i think that is probably the most optimal most optimal way of of living is there a do you think is there there's a way to tame the monkey? Because I feel like for some people, the monkey could be a little bit more influential to certain people than others. I think the first step is like realizing that the monkey's at the helm. You know, sometimes like I'm just watching Netflix and I'm just like, what am I procrastinating right now? I only watch Netflix when I'm procrastinating something. You know, just recognizing that, okay. What am I delay? Why am I uh, going to uh, instant gratification? What can I be working on right now? So maybe that's the first step. Good point. I feel as though you can always be procrastinating on something. Like I think there is an argument to be had that no matter what you're doing, you're procrastinating something. That is like, however busy you are, you th- however busy you think you are, you're still missing out on other things that you're going to wish you have done. I could see the argument being made too. That's a good point. Elementary school and middle school, do you remember the last day of school and like how happy everyone was? And when finals were done, you just feel that, you know, just jubilation or, you know, you just feel completely, you feel so happy that school's out. Uh, You get home and you just play video games for three months, right? But now, like, once we got into college, you know, we've always been pressured to, to you know work past nine to five you know like we always need to be working on something we always need to be grinding on something so you know I, sometimes i feel like procrastination or you know just that feeling of knowing that we're procrastinating can be kind of overbearing sometimes you know sometimes i feel i make myself feel bad for you know like getting up at 8 a.m when i could be getting up at like 7 a.m i don't know how you guys feel about that yeah that's a good segue to a point that i kind of wanted to say earlier when you sleep late, sometimes I feel like the reason why I wake up so late sometimes is that I'm procrastinating my sleep every night. You know, one more game or one more assignment, even a, an assignment, right, which is considered to be work, is still a procrastination of your sleep. Just because they're both good for you doesn't mean that they're mutually exclusive in one procrastinating the other. Nice. What is a good way besides? Like, obviously, we we can focus on the rational decision maker about it. Like, yeah, going to bed early is good because you get up right up early. You can have breakfast. You can be, um, not have to feel like you did nothing for an entire day. You know, you get to have more vitamin D. But mm, I feel like that is where an alarm clock would be useful. What is a good alarm clock for that? 
I don't mean a literal alarm clock. I mean like alarm clock for waking up the panic monster. Like for what was the alarm clock for? For like just like daily tasks? Uh, no, for sleeping early. Oh, for sleeping early. Again, like I'm gonna just refer to my like previous answer where maybe we should focus more on the rational thinker because you know when you're trying to go to bed at night and you start having anxiety about like oh man I gotta wake up early and I'm going to bed late you know that you know that's like a that's like a stress response and like it's gonna be even harder to go to sleep so I feel like thinking about panic is not good using the panic monster in that scenario there's probably a better alternative if we look at like the logical rational decision maker maybe that can take the form of daily habits if you consistently work on going to bed early you will start to naturally fall asleep early here's what i think i totally disagree with you dan i think in the moment of when you're actually playing a game and that your friends ask you if you want to play one more game there's zero chance i'm thinking of oh yeah going to bed is good for me there's zero chance (laughs) i think what i need is an alarm clock for the panic monster where if my friends catch me up past some time we keep each other accountable and if we don't one of if we catch one of our friends not sleeping on time that guy either needs to buy the entire game dinner that guy needs to it's like whooped or something by his friends something that triggers some negative feeling about sleeping past some time that's just how I feel. Maybe there is, I'm sure it's probably the correct answer is that there's some middle ground between your answer and my answer. But I don't know. What do you think about that extreme of the spectrum? Maybe, maybe we just have different motivations. Like we're just motivated differently. I guess like rather than thinking about sleep is good for me, I shouldn't, I should go to bed on time. Maybe, you know, just like not play video games in the evening right before you go to bed because with the blue light and stuff you know just making like rational decisions like if they ask you hey do you want to like start playing right now you'd be like you know i'm gonna go to bed in two hours delayed gratification monkey no that's what i think maybe we just agree to disagree i don't know what do you think david oh, go ahead john i'm still thinking about what to say. <laughs> oh. yeah i mean okay i'll be honest i kind of just played devil's advocate because dan uh i agree with what you said you know I think the correct answer is a hybrid of the two, to be honest, where you do try to be more proactive about your sleep schedule and how you manage it. But you and I know that we aren't perfect human beings, and there are times when we give in to our patients, and then there needs to be a safety plan for that. Because you go to bed at 5 a.m. one night or something, that'll screw up your sleep schedule for an entire week. How do you prevent that from even happening in the first place? You need a safety net. But I think the best approach is kind of a mediator of the two. No, it just seems like from all our conversations, the creation of a panic monster is something we don't want. And like we should we should just be focused on the rational decision maker. So I don't think that we don't want the panic monster because you know we do need stress to motivate us to, you know, achieve our goals. You know, we need some level of panic monster at the helm. Mm-hmm. I guess just like I guess don't think in absolutes. I think that's what we're concluding, you know. We don't want yeah. all just negative, you know, repercussions to motivate us. We also need um, to think about the rational decision maker. One thing I was going to say was like, 
you know, working out in the morning, that could be an example of the rational decision maker. Like if you schedule things in the morning, you're going to like when you when at night, you're going to be like, okay, I need to wake up early tomorrow. This is really important to me. This is part of my schedule. I need to wake up early tomorrow. Therefore, to prevent myself from feeling shitty the rest of the day, I'm not going to go to bed at 5 a.m. Here's, here's an example of the panic monster at work, though. So this is very real to this podcast. So to give context to the audience, we kind of rotate every week between me, Jonathan, and uh, Daniel, just coming up with topics. And coming up with topics is kind of something challenging for me. And I had this whole week to think about a topic and I kept pushing it back, pushing it back. And then the day came of the podcast and then a couple hours, two hours, then one hour, and then the pack monster kind of hit. And then that's when I came up with this topic. So yeah, I think you're right. Panic monster is necessary for certain situations. Just, it's just the amount of the panic monster we rely on kind of. Yeah. I think like if we have too much of the panic monster, you know, I, sometimes I feel this way, uh, just going back to the fig tree analogy, you know, when we make large life decisions that don't necessarily have deadlines, having too much of the panic monster can be overbearing. I feel like a lot of uh, people around our age, like the 20, young 20 somethings feel like we need to grind and, and hustle. And uh, it's a lot of panic monster at work, you know, telling us, you know, okay, like, if you don't do this, you better do this because thousands of people are doing this right now and if you don't do this you're getting you're going to get left behind so yeah that's why I'm, i guess I'm, that's why i'm very strongly against negative repercussions to motivate you because it can have an effect on your mental health like if you if you rely on it too much you know this fig tree makes a debut in almost all of our podcasts this is, this is actually the giving tree man pretty much some given is there a podcast called the giving tree podcast License it. Can someone look that up? My Zoom will freeze if I leave the window. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. The problem I have with like the Fig Tree podcast is like people are gonna look that up on Spotify and they're gonna be like, "What the hell are they talking about fig trees?" That's what I don't want. You know, like I kind of want like them to instantly recognize, like, "Oh, okay, I think I think I have an idea of what this is." I don't know. The, the giving tree is taken by a lot of people. Yeah. But I feel like the fig tree. No one, no one has a podcast. But no, a there's a there's a Christian podcast. Yeah, but like we we have a different topic. You know, it's slightly different themes. Hey, with this the the names, I think we should give ourselves a deadline. Yeah, man. But then again, this is like one of those things where it's not a hard deadline. It's like those things in life, like marriage. So we don't have a panic monster. Yo, okay, Dan, so. what if we give a different fruit for the tree? Different root? What do you mean? Like, instead of... It'll be our podcast insight joke. Like, when we talk about... Instead of the fig tree, we call it the cherry tree. <laughs> and then that way we... Like, we just come up with some... It doesn't even have to be a fruit. We can call it, like... like it can be an object, like a money tree, what else? Or things that aren't associated to grow on trees. Some kind of tree. We like the tree idea, right? Yeah. Maybe the fig doesn't really do anything in the representation of what our ideas are. Let's give yeah. it something else. And then the fig tree can just be like our little nod to a, a Sylvia Plath. It doesn't necessarily have to be taken from the book. I see. I think we can think about names like off the podcast. Maybe we can like schedule a meeting next week where we just stay on Zoom and just um, 
just spit out names. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? You guys are free. Yeah. Yep. All right. Here's an idea for a deadline. What about like if we don't come up with a a name by the end of the month? Um, I'll shave my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Yo, all shaver heads. Realize that David and I are just gonna keep rejecting it. Any okay, idea you, guys... you come up with, we're gonna reject it because we want to see your shaved head. Okay. Well, okay. Sorry. Maybe. Uh, what if we? <laughs> Wait, Dan. That's such a good deadline. That would actually like make. That is me a work. good deadline. You know what? We might just respect it. We might just, if you come up with a good idea and we actually think it's a good idea, you know what? If your deadline is to shave your head, we'll respect it. We'll say that it's a good idea. We'll let you know. <laughs> I guess then that the panic monster is all on me. It's not on you guys. I think we need a no, panic we'll, monster that will... come up with panic monsters. Like, if, if we don't have a title for our podcast by the end of this month... How about this? Send a scheduled email to someone um and then it will send on april 1st and if you don't if we don't come up with the name by april 1st that thing will send what if you forget (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you better not forget because we better come up with the name wait wait wait. but at the same time in our podcast didn't we talk about making decisions based on rational thinker Right then, yeah, relying on true. this paddock monster. I guess that's true. Like I, there, there is some rational decision making. You know, like I'm deferring naming it because I don't want to name it something stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I guess we just don't have a panic monster. You know, we do have some rational decision maker, but we just don't. Um, yeah, we just don't have a panic monster. Dude, but with the introduction of the idea of the panic monster right now, dude, I've been like, I'm like kind of racking up names right now too just on my head just because of that fear you see what i mean man like you do have ideas you just don't write them down i feel like you just need to write your ideas down you'll have like so many ideas for the podcast you know what i mean so Uh, write them down write them down right now i guess i can see the role of the panic monster being involved and you know arriving on time to things in terms of the gratification monkey unless like you're doing something right before it but if like i can't see how Doing things like in the beginning of the day, I don't really see the monkey being involved in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only case where it kind of makes sense to me, I think. When, when let's say, I'm doing something I like, but I have an appointment, I don't want to do it for but the panic monster settles in every minute that grows closer to that meeting time. Yeah, probably. But outside of that, I don't know. I think you basically summarize the only case where it really applies. Is there like a scenario where we don't have a gratification monkey? Like like get rid of the monkey? Yeah, get rid of the monkey entirely. Do you think that's possible? And do you think that's that's healthy? I, in my opinion, um, during like studying and my finals week, I was trying to find that motivation to just get rid of that monkey. But it's I think it's almost impossible. I think all humans are inherently procrastinators. Like, I don't think there's anyone that's not a procrastinator just because, what was that law where humans are at their lowest energy possible? Oh, you mean like uh, the second law of thermodynamics, how like the universe tends to move towards higher entropy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think 
with the instant gratification monkey, it has something to do with being at the lowest energy too, because it's like requires the least amount of work and you get what you want kind of. So I feel like it's somehow connected to that law. And then you just can't get rid of that monkey. I think that makes sense in the context of like, if there is no instant gratification for something, that it is well, something where there's just no instant gratification. Eating vegetables? <laughs> I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, instant gratification as like a like an alternative? Yeah, I guess it's just like you do it because there's no other thing that you would be doing it besides that. Uh, is there is there anything like that? Because I feel like there's. Yeah, I'm all... trying to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking right now. Um, rather than thinking about the monkey as, you know, like something we want to avoid and trying to get rid of entirely, I kind of see the monkey as our curiosity for the world. You know, like when I watch YouTube videos, I watch YouTube videos about like the most random things. And, you know, you can call that procrastination, but you can also think about it like, you know, I'm just I'm just interested about a lot of different things. And I feel like my life would be a lot worse if I didn't have, you know, curiosity about different things. So what do you guys think about that? Look, this might be a little bit of a tangent, but it's related to the, like, searching a random thing and curiosity. Yeah, so when I usually don't have a deadline, I just do my usual things, like just play games and just stick to, like, the routine, like, go for a run. But then when there is something to do, all of a sudden I become more curious and I like look up things which I would have never done before. So I'm just like, I'm wondering why does that happen when I only have something to do? Like, why do I become more curious? This monkey is only here when I have things to do. But now that I think about it, I don't always have this monkey or this, maybe it's not the monkey, it's like curiosity. I feel like my curiosity peaks when I have something to do. You know, isn't it just because you'd rather be doing anything besides the thing that you're supposed to be doing? And so that's why you're like, oh, I might as well go look at this instead. Can you really call it curiosity in that case? Wait, it, it, what, what is that called? Boredom. <laughs> so, like, I, there's yeah, boredom. Scene. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, like, if they, if, like, I would call it more like boredom because those YouTube videos are more like pack- really well packaged content, you know? They're like, again, like, you're not going to go read a science paper because you're curious about something. You're only curious about it because it's the fast food of learning, you know? Because it's just, you can kind of think of it as its own instant gratification, but learning learning something in that aspect, right? You're only grazing the surface, right? Like, how much can a YouTube video really like, cover? Oh, that's true. That's true about the article. Yeah, I would not be looking at articles then. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, the YouTube video is kind of just like a, it's a starting point. You know, it, it can fuel your curiosity to dive deeper. And like you, you start looking up things related to, and it doesn't have to be YouTube videos, you know, it can be, uh, you know, scientific articles or, yeah. So there's a saying like, so if your brain like really doesn't want to do something, you know, maybe it's worth considering listening to your brain because, you know, that might be, they might be telling you something, you know, <laughs> if you really like, if you're like, oh my God, this is so boring, you know, maybe you should, you know, listen to your brain. It's probably telling you like, don't do that thing. Okay. Maybe I'm just too pessimistic about this. 
I feel like if you find something interesting while you're supposed to be doing something else, you can't really trust that judgment of the fact that you thought that was interesting because it's interesting relative to the other thing that you're supposed to be doing. It's not interesting inherently. Maybe it is, right? Maybe it is, and you'll go back to it. But more times out of 10, you know, you're probably just watching another daily dose of the internet <laughs> on YouTube. That's all I'll say. Yeah, that, that's very true, man. Like, it, it hurts that it is true. You know, like, I have you guys ever, like, w- watched a video, like, on your phone and then on your, your laptop, and you're, like, watching two videos at the same time, and you're, you're trying to work on an assignment? Yeah, so I guess, like, uh, what I just yeah. said about, you know, curiosity, I feel like it's good to have, like, some baseline, but I think too much, I guess, you know, just referring back to the, the monkey metaphor, too much is bad. David, I think it happens when the rational decision maker pushes a monkey away. I think the monkey kind of will be there since we just couldn't think of an, a situation where the monkey is just absent from the picture, right? Rather, I think it happens when you, again, as Dan says, focus on the rational decision maker. And the rational decision maker is so much stronger, right? Or maybe there's a fourth player here where this instant gratification monkey is over, like, it's another monster, but it's a good monster. This good monster, think about, like, workaholics, right? Why are they addicted to work, right? It's because the instant gratification monkey, I would say, is kind of not the, the driving factor of why they like the work. Rather, there's some fourth individual actor that is playing a role in pushing away the monkey so that it's his turn to steer the wheel, you know? Because that form of gratification is far more profound than the instant gratification that the monkey can give. Or is that just the same rational decision maker? And he's just stronger than the monkey. This is an analogy coming out of hand. I really like this analogy. I saw the TED Talk, but I never really thought too deeply about it. But it's pretty interesting, you know, just thinking about it. It's like, what's at the helm right now? Have you guys heard of transactional analysis? What is that? What is that? So it's like, um, I think it's Eric Bernstein, some psychologist in the 20th century. And it's very similar to uh, like this monkey analogy. Uh, Maybe we can talk about it on a future podcast, but I think there's some videos on it. what were we talking about again? We were just talking about uh, this analogy as a whole. You know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there is a fourth player, or maybe we just need a balance from all those three. So, Jonathan, did you say like workaholics are that is when the rational decision maker is in charge too much, or what do you think? Yeah. Either that, or the instant gratification monkey becomes a force of good. And that instant gratification for the workaholics is in the form of work. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. still instant gratification, but it's good for you. I don't know. Wait, so do work just to get this straight? Workaholics work because they get gratification from work rather than them fearing that uh, they're like wasting time by not doing work. Like their their key thing is that they do work for the pleasure of work, or is it that they do work? because they don't want to waste time doing other things. I think more specifically, it's an addiction to work. Addiction to work. Yeah, and how it starts, it could be because they like the feeling of 
doing work, right? So it is gra- it, one way it could come about is because through the gratification that comes through work, but addiction onset happens many different ways, right? Mm, okay. Yeah, I think I think it's just uh, instant gratification. Being like a nerd monkey, though, like he's a he's a helpful. Monkey. Yeah, that, that's a good way to kind of put it. That's that's basically the case. I was kind of wondering if it was, but it's not exactly instant gratification, is either, is it? Or is it? I guess it is to them. You know, it's just hard for us to imagine. But just them doing and being at work that's instantly gratifying to them you know yeah yeah but it doesn't make sense because we feel gratified when the work is done you know (laughs) and so that's why it doesn't feel instant to us but i realized to them it should be instant because they find joy in doing yeah yeah. they just have a different monkey from like other people what if it's like they they have a nerd monkey that's hyperactive but it's also like a panic monster that is uh that is asleep but they're afraid of it waking up and that way they they bury themselves in work to um satisfy the panic monster to make sure that they don't wake up wait what (laughs) so the panic monster asleep and they do work so the panic monster doesn't wake up so what would the panic be then like them not working not working. Not like they're, they're not doing for example like if i don't know any workaholics but like i'm just going to make some some general generalized statement that might not be true so the panic monster is job insecurity or the fear of missing out uh-huh. and if they feel like if they're not doing this work someone else is doing this work too you know you know like someone else will, will be doing this work and they're afraid of you know getting replaced or you know falling behind uh but i think i think uh, was it jonathan just mentioned that workaholics are like addicted to work they get pleasure from working yeah i feel i was just gonna say that point david i feel like um then that's not really a true workaholic because they're motivated by the fear instead of the the when you get addicted to something because you're afraid of the negative effect of not doing it? Not really, right? You typically get addicted to something because of pure gratification for it, right? That is all to say, if that's the case, then yeah, then your case where the guy is doing it because he's afraid of waking up the panic monster talking about sleep, I don't think that really applies to workaholics. The way I was thinking about it was like um, like someone who does drugs, maybe. Uh, just another overgeneralized statement. You know, like the, like when they're sober, maybe they feel inadequate or they feel they have like certain regrets. So they indulge in like substances to, you know, ignore that feeling. So that's kind of like how, where I came from, workaholics, because I don't really know any workaholics. That's what I. I see. I see what you're getting at. But John, what did you see about addiction? Do you see how addictions are created from instant gratification rather than fears? I don't know. Is that true? No, I was like thinking about it, like that's a that's an interesting point. Like that got me thinking. I had to write that down. That's a that's a Jonathan Moon quote, twenty twenty one. No, no, I don't know if it's true though. I know, it's but like, that we kind of like want to explore. And Daniel, you kind of gave up a a good point about it. But I so in that case, right? I would say that's not an addiction; it's a dependency because you're dependent on it to escape from your problems, right? 
rather than doing it for the actual gratification, you're doing it as a means of escape from your normal conscious state, which is thus, and thus it's a dependency rather than an addiction. Okay. What's the difference between addiction and dependency? Dude, oh no. Is marijuana addictive or are you only dependent on it? I don't smoke, bro. <laughs> Dude, when you said that, it just reminds me of all the people that are just like, bro, you can't get addicted to marijuana. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I feel like if we just do a quick Google search, we can find that out. Yeah, I mean, that's what they do. They're like, yeah, marijuana is not an addictive drug. You can only become dependent on it. Wait, so that's not the same thing? Just to clarify, being dependent on marijuana and addicted? Isn't that the same thing? Apparently, there's a difference. And I feel like what we just talked about is the analogous form of that difference between addiction and dependency. Where... The fear and the instant gratification. Well, Daniel gave the analogy of someone using drugs as a form of escape from their distaste in their real world uh, conscious self. And maybe that is the analogous form of what... Yeah, we should probably look this up. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, this podcast is... We've kind of detracted, so maybe we can like leave that for another podcast, you know. Addiction versus dependence. It's your week next week, Jonathan. So, you want to talk about that? Um, Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I want to cut it short is because editing sucks. It's it's so it takes so long. Um, Do you know the command shortcuts? It's a little faster once you get the hang of it. Uh, I don't. I just do backspace or delete or something. Anything else we want to talk about about the monkey, or the monster? What the monkey? <laughs> Any insights for this week? Any shout outs you guys want to make? Use the Weeble link down below to get two free stocks worth up to $1,800. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Undecided Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We, we really appreciate it. If you like what we do, please leave a like button. Smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm. Get your two free stocks for your first $100 deposit. But until then, I guess we'll see you all next week. See you all next week. What if I, what if I try? What if I...